It's a powerful thought, isn't it? How about I pray for us as we turn our attention to this Good Friday. Heavenly Father, we do thank you. We thank you for the opportunity to gather this morning and we pray, Lord, that this word read to us, that this drama enacted before us, that this singing we have heard, Father, you might use to soften our hearts and open our eyes. Father, we thank you that you're present here today and we pray that by your Holy Spirit, you'd bring joy and conviction in right measure. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me start with the question of the day. What, what's so good about Good Friday? What's so good about Good Friday? Well, let me give you three reasons as a start. Uh, you, you get three days leave and you can take ten days off. That's pretty good, isn't it? That's not bad. That's a pretty good equation. Now, I don't know about that. This is my busiest time of the year, but I'm sure some of you are enjoying this. Is this right? That's pretty good. Chocolate is pretty good. Somehow it's become an integral part of the celebration of the crucified Messiah. Isn't that good? A little odd, but okay. Chocolate, it's good, right? And what about family time? It's family time. Yeah, that's pretty good. But, you know, after, after those 10 days you go back to work, don't you? It's still, it's still there. And if you go hard on the chocolate, but wait... And if you spend a lot of time with family, but wait, <laughs> right? We'll all get to the point where we want to go back to work because, you know, we've had enough family, thank you very much. I mean, no, I'm sure not in your household, right? But, but okay. So, so Good Friday has some good things to it, but there's something more. There's something much more than those, those good things, than those good things. Maybe this is what's good about Good Friday. A God without wrath, he brought men without sin into a kingdom without judgment through the ministrations of Christ without a cross. We could have a really happy Easter bunny service today. I mean, I don't know why the Easter bunny wasn't part of the drama that we just saw. Because you know what? You could be anywhere this morning and instead you're in a church and we want to tell you this morning that it is all about the cross And to do that, I want to focus our attention this morning on one verse. We're going to look at a whole bunch of different parts of the Bible, but to hold this talk together this morning, I want to show you one verse, one place that brings together the goodness of Good Friday. It says, For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit. This is going to be the centerpiece for what we're doing this morning. And we're going to unpack it one little bit at a time as we kind of go through uh, through this verse and as we reflect on the readings that have been brought to us this morning. Now, in order to get the message, uh, we need to do some remembering. And I don't know, do, do people still go to the library? Is that a thing still? Does anyone secret hand? Okay, now one of the wonderful things that if you go to the library, you find eventually you are going through the kids' books. I mean the kids' books, sure, right? You go through the kids' books and you find, oh, look, here's a book. I didn't know we had this book. And you flip it over and on the back is that wonderful little sign that says Camden Libraries, congratulations, this is now years overdue. Anyone had this experience? Okay, so it's a book, it's a book that we've forgotten about. Now, here's what I want to say to you this morning. We all have a book that we've forgotten about. 
you're going, my goodness, what do you know about my house and my reading habits? No, 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 no. The thing that we've forgotten about, the thing that's long overdue for a return is actually our conscience. It's a record of our sin, an account before God of the fact that you and I have not lived perfectly before him. We've forgotten about this. We've forgotten. We've forgotten that you and I don't live a perfect life. And so there it is. It's overdrawn and it's lost, but it's true. You know, we have an incredible capacity for self-deception as Australians. Um, I found this study, a new study by the Australian National University researcher Christopher Hoyes found that 92% of Australians claim to be among the middle 60% of income earners. And about half rank themselves in the middle 20%. Now, some of you might not be very good at maths. Is that why you're just staring blank at me? Okay, 92% said that they were in the middle 60%. 50% said they're in the middle 20%. That sounds like Australia to me. See, here's the thing, and it sounds like Australia when it comes to sin too, right? We're not in the high income earning. We're not saints, right? We're not in that bracket. That's ridiculous. But I tell you what, I'm not, I'm not with ISIS in Syria either, right? Politically incorrect. Okay, so here's the thing, right? We can look down and we go, I'm not in that low income bracket, and I know I'm not in the high income bracket. I'm probably in the middle, and the middle's all right, isn't it? Everybody's in the middle, and we're all okay, aren't we? Well, if we're all okay, this isn't necessary. And so what I want to tell you today, guys, is we're not okay and we've badly underestimated our status before God. It says here, for Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous. And you go, this is wonderful. I'm sure this message applies to someone else. I hope they're listening today. Except we'd be wrong. We look at the, uh, the man who was mentioned in our drama before, Barabbas. It says in Luke chapter 23, these words, it says, but the whole crowd shouted, away with the man. Now we're talking about Jesus, away with the man, release Barabbas to us. And we get a little biographical detail of Barabbas. This is all that we know. It says Barabbas had been thrown into prison for insurrection in the city and for murder. For insurrection and for murder. And we think, well, that's okay. Barabbas was clearly a bad guy. I'm not like that. Because I want to take you to Genesis, the first book of the Bible. And what it tells us is something really, really striking. We find Adam and Eve in the garden with God and and the, the snake comes up and the snake whispers to them and says, you certainly won't die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from this fruit, the fruit of the tree they've been told not to eat from, when you eat from the fruit of this tree, Your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The first temptation in the Garden of Eden was a temptation to insurrection. Who was the king in the garden? It was God. And what was the first sin? The first sin was to say, let's become like God. Let's displace God. Sin number one. That's followed by sin number two, if we don't count covering over their sin. But the sin number two is Cain and Abel. Now, they were brothers who got on very well, famously. Is that right? Does anyone know the story? Okay, what happens is Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. He was jealous, you see. And while they're in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. 
He murdered his brother. The first sin, insurrection. The second sin, murder. And here's the radical thing. Here's the radical thing. I want to tell you that you and I have carried out that insurrection with God. You and I, not in graphic, huge, extraordinary ways, probably in perfectly acceptable, nice, new home-building ways, have displaced God as the ruler of our lives and had a little private insurrection and said, God, we don't want you in charge. I want to make my decisions. I want to run my life my own way. Insurrection. And then Jesus tells us these devastating things. He says, if you've hated your brother in your heart, you've committed murder. See, God looks beyond the mere outward appearance. He actually looks into our heart and he says, if you've hated your brother in your heart, you've committed murder. Now, some of you are going, I only have sisters. I'm I'm fine. Have you hated? Have you wished them dead? Have you said to people, I wish you were dead? Insurrection and murder. Insurrection and murder. We've only picked the first two sins in the Bible. Insurrection and murder is us. You and I are in the category of sin, in the category of the unrighteous. Now, you came here today going, far out, I I wanted to hear why it's good. And you start with this. Why is this good? This is good because it explains the messed up world I live in and the pain I know around me. You see, why else, why else is the world like it is? If you're great, if 92% of the rest of Australia are great, what explains the M5? And guys, for all the other people that are terrible drivers out there, you're driving next to them. you, You get it, don't you? We, we sin, we've messed up the world and it explains the pain and the brokenness that I feel because something isn't right here. It's sin. And in order to get the goodness of Good Friday, we have to get the hard news that we are in that category. You and I. I'm the minister and I'm with you, yeah? Now, what do we want in life? What's one of the first things that we learn after we learn mine? Come on, somebody tell me. What, what do you say when you see this? Come on. Oh, boo. Some of you go, no, I always take the smaller glass. That's rubbish. You just lied. Another sin. Add it to the list, all right? So what do we call out when we see this? We call out, that's not fair. That is not fair. I will not. I, and it's temper tantrum. Throw yourself on the ground. I know you do this at home, don't you? Or you see it. But here's the thing, right? There used to be the rule in our house, I'm sure it's in others, that he who pours chooses second. No, you haven't done this. If you haven't put that rule in place, it's brilliant, right? Go get on that, right? Okay? That's the way. So we want things to be fair. And we particularly want things to be fair for those who are ripping us off. Is that right? Oh, come on. Let's have a little insurrection in the room, hey? We don't, we don't want the bankers to get ahead, do we? They're all taking us for a ride. And I want justice for the bankers. Amen? Oh, boo, you guys. Okay, so here's the thing. We want fairness. We want it to be just. That's what we want. We want it to be just. It says here that Christ died for sins. It says that he died for sins. And I want us to think about that for a second. Have a look at verses uh, 40 to 41. And I want you to think about fairness. 
there were, uh, we, we don't have three crosses up the front here, but there, there were three crosses, you know, don't you? There, there was a cross in the middle for Jesus, and then on either side of him, criminals, like the ones we heard in our drama, were crucified next to him. And as they're dying together, all three of them, there's a bunch of banter on the cross. Verse 40 says this, but the other criminal rebuked him. So, so one of the criminals is going, ha, ha. <laughs> oh man, I tell you what, I mean, I'm dying, but, but you think you're a Messiah. You think you're the promised king of Israel and I'm dying next to you. You're not doing very well at this Messiah gig. You're nailed to a cross. If you're really the Messiah, why don't you come down from the cross? And while you're at it, you can put me down too. Oh, nothing from you, Jesus. Not much of a Messiah, are you? That's going on. It's pretty ugly. There's more ugliness coming up at Jesus from the crowd. People sneering, people yelling at. But there's one guy who understands. There's one who has an insight into what's going on. The other criminal rebuked him. He said, mate, don't you fear God? That's actually a really good question for all of us today. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our sins, what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. He's done nothing wrong. He said, you can mock him all you want, but we're here because we deserve to. It's fair. It's just. We deserve it. So here's the question. The question for us is, what do we deserve for our little insurrection and murder? What what do we deserve? It says in Romans 3.23, what we've already seen, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us has sinned. So what does it mean? In Ezekiel 18, we read these incredible verses. God is speaking to the people of God through a prophet. For everyone who belongs to me, sorry, God says, everyone belongs to me. The parent as well as the child, both alike belong to me. The one who sins is the one who will die. You might think that your sin has led to a disruption in your relationships, has led to a loss of a job, has led to awkwardness. It's done far more than that. It has racked up a debt. And before the living God, it makes sense Those who host the insurrection deserve to die. And so sin deserves death. Sin deserves death. And you go, well, how how is that good? Well, it's good because we want the bad guys to be punished. I mean, this is our natural feeling. God, you should bring justice. You should punish the bad guys. And it will happen. That will happen. God will punish the bad guys. The only problem is that that category includes us. Here's, here's the guy that we want. Is anyone a Lord of the Rings fan? Oh, I heard a little quiet restrained woo there. So that was okay, good. Someone's picking me up here. This is good. So does anyone know who this is? Who's this? Aragorn. Okay, so he's, he's the king. And, and I know that it's really trendy these days to have all of our anti-heroes, Right? Everybody has to be smoking and stealing and sleeping, whatever it is, all of our heroes need to be utterly debauched. And the only reason that's good for us is we kind of go, yeah, you're kind of like me. I I could one day get a cape and I could be that 
It's really good when I've got fallen anti-heroes. Do you know what I love about this movie? I love that it has an absolutely righteous king. And it's awesome. And when he rides out on his horse to the black gates, I go, I'm with him. I want to stand for something glorious and righteous and good. I want that. That's what I want. That's inherent in me. And so you'd never be able to guess who he's modelled on, would you? Maybe it's Jesus, perhaps, do you think? See, what it says, for Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the righteous one. And I want you to see how righteous he was. What did that mean? How right he was, how without sin he was. If you listen to this account that was read for us, I want you to hear all the different people that say that Jesus wasn't guilty. You ready? We'll we'll go through it. So Pilate announced to the chief priests and the crowd, I find no basis for a charge against this man. Innocent, right? And then he sends him off to Herod and says, Herod, you can have a go at him. That was another king, okay? You can have a play with him. Do whatever you want. And it says, neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. As you can see, he's done nothing to deserve death. Pilate said he was innocent. Herod said he was innocent. And they kind of go to him again and they say, you've got to do something with this Jesus character. And Pilate says, for the third time, I have found no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I will have him punished and release him. I love that his get out of jail free card is, I'm going to flog him and then let him go. Now, you and I would think that that's the punishment, right? But Pilate's going, I'm going to be really lenient to him. What I'm going to do is punish him, flog him, and then he'll get let go. That's how I'll treat the innocent. Now, that's terrible, right? But he says he's innocent. And then we see this man on the cross who said, we are punished justly, we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man, this man has done nothing wrong. The man on the cross said he had done nothing wrong. And then we get in uh, chapter uh, 23, verse 47, the centurion looking up at Jesus, a man who was a master at death, who was practiced at crucifixion. He looked up at this dead Jewish bloke and he said, praising God, surely this was a righteous man. Now I can tell you guys, looking at a bloody, lifeless Jew on a cross was an everyday occurrence for one of these centurions. What prompted him to look at Jesus and declare he was righteous? It's extraordinary. And then what about, you think, well, maybe he was just having a good day. If you watch me for a day, I could be righteous for at least until morning tea time. What about the people who lived with Jesus? What was their declaration of Jesus? People who were with him every day. There was a man called Peter, who was one of his disciples, who, who followed him around for three years. And he writes in a letter, 1 Peter, his own letter. He says, he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. Could anyone spend a week with you and say that? Peter spent three years with Jesus and he says he was utterly innocent. Jesus alone was innocent of sin. Jesus alone is innocent of sin. And why is that good news? Because we have now discovered some hope for our Good Friday. It's good because there is one man who didn't have to bear his own punishment for sin. You see, you and I will have to die for our sin, but we found one man who had no sin. What does this mean for us? 
In order to do that, we need to think about the cross. In 1968, in the east of Jerusalem, a man called Jehoanan was unearthed in a stone ossery box, a bone box. And when they examined his limbs, what they found was this. It was a bone with a Roman nail through it. It's the only archaeological evidence we have, physical evidence, of crucifixion because what it is is still embedded in the bone of his leg. It's truly horrific. Fastened to the tree. I've got an analogue of that nail here. I want you to imagine human flesh and a hammer. It was so struck through this man that they couldn't pull it out when they pulled him down. They had to sever his foot to get him off the cross. It is a bloody business, crucifixion. Why? Why does it have to happen? It was so bloody that Christians couldn't even depict it for centuries. Even after crucifixion was outlawed in the Roman world in 300 BC, when Constantine, sorry, 300 AD, when Constantine became the emperor, it was outlawed in the Roman world. Even then, it didn't start becoming an evidence of the Christian faith until this door is is the oldest example we've got of Christian art with the cross in it, and it's from the 5th century. It's from the Basilica of Santa Sabina in Rome. It took five centuries for Christians to put Jesus on the cross in their artwork because it was so humiliating, so disgraceful, so appalling. So what was going on? We're told in this verse, Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. It says he was put to death in the body and made alive by the Spirit. What what does this mean for us? Well, I want you to think about the reality. We say that Jesus is God in a bod, okay? Jesus is God in a bod, fully God and fully man. And we know the Christmas story, don't we? How, how did God in heaven become man on earth? How did that happen? Well, let's replay Christmas over. Uh, in Luke 2, 6 to 7, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. We know the Christmas story. How did God become in flesh? Through Mary. A real body. So real that he wasn't appearing as a a finished man. He grew up as a tiny baby. He entered the world through a womb, just like you and I. How extraordinary, right? But it's the very physicality of Jesus that enables the crucifixion to happen. When they came to the place called the skull, Luke tells us, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. You see, how can you kill God? Only if he takes human flesh. Only if he allows it to happen. Something extraordinary is happening on the cross. And we we get an inkling of it. When, When Jesus is walking around, you could bump into him and say, hey, it's the carpenter. It's the carpenter. It's the guy who fixed my table and chairs. What a lovely bloke. 
You know, I haven't heard him cuss anyone. It's interesting, isn't it? I wonder why that is. You'd have met him on the street. You could have bumped shoulders with him. And he was no taller, no, no dinner plate glowing behind his head. You'll be surprised to know. He was an ordinary bloke. You could have run into him on the street. And yet, while he was walking around, he declared to people. This sounds incredibly arrogant, right? He declared to people, while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. You'd send your kids to time out for that, wouldn't you? Who says I am the light of the world, apart from a weird egomaniac? But Jesus declared that while he was with them, he was the light of the world. And guys, I want you to note something that happened as the Son of God was nailed to the tree. I want you to see what happened. Now, it was about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he said this, he breathed his last. What was happening? What was happening was truly extraordinary. Jesus had a real body. He had a real humiliation. Actual people spat on the Son of God. They nailed him to the tree. And there was a real cataclysm in the universe the sky went black at midday. And those of you who are going, oh, it's a crucifixion. Oh, it's a crucifixion. <laughs> Not a crucifixion. It's an eclipse. It's an eclipse. And I'd say to you, very good, guys. You're the first people in all of history to think of that. And on top of that, no one in the ancient world had ever seen eclipses because we invented them only recently. That's a joke. You're supposed to go, oh, planets move around all the time. Oh, the ancients probably had Eclipses as well, didn't they? In fact, they got so good they could predict when they were coming, right? If there'd been an eclipse, what they would have written is, and as the Son of God was dying, there was a holy sign in the sky. An eclipse happened just at that time. How amazing. And they didn't say that. They said the sun stopped shining for three hours because a true spiritual cataclysm was happening. The Son of God, the light of the world, was dying. And the universe couldn't help but reflect the significance of what was happening. Why is that good? It's good because Jesus chose the cross. He chose the cross to be the place to die. And his suffering was much more than physical. Something spiritual and profound was happening on the cross. And I want to explain to you what that is. And I want you to come back to your library book that's overdue. Now, did you know that you don't have to pay, pay your fines? You know what you can do? You can can your fines. Have you heard of this? All of you who haven't been to the library for a while don't know. But okay, here's what you can do. You can grab some cans of food, and if you bring them into the library, what they'll do is they'll go, cool, you give us some cans. We're going to cancel the fine. Can your, fan, can your fine. It's pretty good, isn't it? So my debt is paid. It's, it's deleted. The computer doesn't hold me accountable for whatever that was. Fantastic, right? It's really good, and it's cheap. Better than a fine, and it goes, it's a good thing. Someone gets a can. How wonderful. We're going to see how that cancellation actually happens through a substitution. Through a substitution. And you know, someone's running on the field, and they've kind of done a pretty poor job. Oh, no, maybe they've done a really good job, but they're really tired, and they can't go on anymore. And someone holds up the number, and they go, oh, you can't beat me. I'm doing so well. And they go, no, 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 it's you. You should come off. And eventually the whole game stops, and you get ordered off, and you've got to go like this. And then you've got to high-five everyone, and then you've got to take... But, but someone else runs on and takes your place on the field, and I want you to see that's what Jesus does. 
For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous. Why? To bring you to God. How did that work? As he was being nailed to the cross, Jesus said some of the most extraordinary words that anyone has ever spoken in that extraordinary suffering. He said, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. I'm sure the centurion had never heard anyone offer a forgiveness. I'm sure he'd heard a a number of other words coming his direction as he'd done this before. Father, forgive them. And we see that something extraordinary happened for Barabbas. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the one they asked for, and surrendered Jesus to their will. What happened was a great exchange. Barabbas, the insurrectionist murderer, got to go. And Jesus, the sinless Son of God, was crucified in his place. That's a great exchange. That's a great exchange. There's an even better one for you and I. It says in Romans 5, it says this, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. It says in Isaiah 53, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's the greatest exchange. There is a way for you and I to be free, to can our fine, and it wasn't cheap and it wasn't easy. It cost the death of the Son of God in your place. Why is that good? It's good because the cross is the only way God's justice and forgiveness can work. God will punish sin, and he did in the person of his son, and you can go free if you ask him to apply that forgiveness to you. How free are you? I'm going to say that you're fully free. It's completely done. And I've got an example here from August the 15th. Does anyone know the year? 1945, this is the deck of a battleship. And it's all the leaders of the Japanese army signing their full and unconditional surrender before the Allied High Commander. We're done. We're utterly out. All fighting is complete. We unconditionally surrender. And that's what I want to encourage you to do today. I want you to unconditionally surrender yourselves to God. Christ died for sins once for all. He did it once and it applies to every one of us if we will let it. You remember this guy on this side over here, the the good thief? He said, hey, Jesus, will you remember me? Will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus gave him the most extraordinary answer, the most extraordinary answer. He says, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. You'll be with me in paradise. It's extraordinary. John 3, 36 says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. It's belief that saves And God says, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. What I want you to know today, if a guy on a cross can get saved by trusting Jesus, it can't be that you get saved by being good enough, can it? 
Have a think with me. He said, I deserve this. I deserve this. And Jesus says, you'll be with me today in paradise. Why? Not because he said, look, I'm going to help some old ladies across the road. I'm going to pay off my library fee. And then I'm going to say, God, accept me. I've done a pretty good job. I'm about in the middle 90% of Australians. It's not true. We're all sinful. We all deserve the punishment of God. And he said to this man, because you're trusting me, you will be free. We need to give up working for forgiveness. And when we believe, it's the only way you can know for sure. How am I saved? Not by what I've done, but what he's done. And if I'm looking to Jesus, then I never have to fret. Am I good enough today? Did I swear today? If a truck hit me today, would I, what, what would I, is it? No, no, no. I'm looking to him and it's completely done. Why is that good news? It's good because by faith in Jesus alone, we can find assurance and rest, rest for our souls. So what do we do with this Good Friday? Where are you around the cross? I'm going to suggest to you there are three positions that you can be in. You can be in the position of the sneering spectators. You can be in the position of the condemned criminal. Or you can be in the position this morning, and some of you will be, of the fearful followers who beat their breasts as they went home. Let me address each of those groups here this morning as we finish. Hello, sneering spectators. Did someone drag, someone drag you here today? I'm really glad you're here. And you put up with us singing as well. That's pretty good. I'm so thankful that you're here, really. But I want you to think about this. Someone will die for your sins. It'll be you or it'll be Jesus. I'd love for you to let it be Jesus. And if you're thinking, I'm not sure whether I want him to, I'm not sure if I can believe that such a man ever existed even, then can I encourage you, come and examine Jesus with us. We run a course called Jesus for the Curious. Guess who it's for? People who are curious, they've got stacks of questions. Maybe bring your cynicism and your questions. Come and join us. Starts in May. Drop at the end of the service on your Care and Connect card here. Say, I'd like to find out some more. We'd love to invite you to do that. Examine Jesus. And then trace the trajectory. I've skipped past it, but here's what I want to say to you. How is cynicism and the rejection of Jesus going for you? Makes you feel awkward in church. What if you came back and you enjoyed it? Where's this cynicism heading? Where's the satisfaction in your life? just want you to trace out the trajectory, and I want to suggest to you there's a different outcome waiting you if you receive Jesus. Some of you today are feeling like the confessing, confessing criminal. You're like, I get it, I'm a sinner. Maybe I didn't know that before. Can I encourage you? Here's an old-fashioned word. You ready? Repent. You go, oh, I don't know what that means. What does that mean? We go, well, I've been running my own insurrection. I've been shaking my fist in the face of God and I'm ashamed of it today. I've been running away from God and repenting is reorientating. It's heading back towards him. It's heading back towards God, not running from him, but running towards him and saying, God, I'm ashamed. You know my sin. I can't hide it from you. I repent. I am sorry. I'm heartbroken. I'm ashamed. I'm devastated at my sin. I want to encourage you today to commit to following him. Figure it out. He's giving you a handy handbook. 
And there's this awesome club that meets once a week that discusses how to do it. Commit to following him. And I want to say today's a great day to get saved. I want to give you a chance now to pray and say, today is a good day to be saved. I'd love to be saved. I'd love to be free of my burden, God. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray a prayer. And as I pray, I'm going to leave some space for you. You can repeat that in your hearts. And I reckon there are people here today who go, I'd love to do that. You don't need to do it out loud. We're never going to do that. You don't have to come up the front. We're not going to do that either. But I want to give you the chance to do it. I'm going to say, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross. I'm going to say, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm going to say, would you please forgive me and come into my life as king? It's simple, but it's life-changing. Let me lead you. Dear God, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross. I'm sorry for my sin. I know that I've hurt you and others. Please forgive me. Please come into my life as king. Amen. Now, if you prayed that for the first time, great news. Today you'll be with me in paradise is what Jesus says. It's sorted today. You're you're done. But we'd love to encourage you. And Tim will give you a way to let us know that at the end. But you know what? There's a bunch of you who are here today who are fearful followers. You're standing in the crowd. You're you're people who have been following Jesus for a while. And here's what I want to say to you. Jesus is more than just a mere example. He's not a good example of suffering under pressure. He's praying praying for your sins. He, he sweat drops of blood for you so that you can be forgiven. And I want to encourage you, rejoice in grace. If you're saved today because Jesus died in your place, guess what? It's not a vaguely interesting thing. Guys, if you get it, rejoice in it. Really. We should make the last song an interesting barometer of whether you've got it, hey? No pressure, no pressure at all, don't worry. And lovely, lastly, I'd like to say, come back again, hey? Start Sunday. It's pretty good. Uh, Sunday's got some good news. Uh, so here's the thing. Why is, why is Good Friday good? Good Friday is good for this reason. You ready? For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body but made alive by the Spirit. And you go, yeah, but you didn't do that last bit. And I say, yeah, Sunday's coming. Come back for part two. It's going to be epic. I'm really fired up. Love Jesus. Love you to love Jesus. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your son, Jesus. Thank you that we can look at him today. Thank you that we can see what he won for us on the cross, that he made a public spectacle of all the powers and authorities in the universe, and that on that black and dreadful day, he paid the price for my sins that I might go free. Thank you, Father. Amen.